From The Daily Northwestern, I'm Alex Chun, and this is Defining Safe, a podcast about marginalized communities from Northwestern. Before this episode begins, a content warning. This episode includes discussion, live recordings, and shared accounts of police brutality, racism, and violence, as well as explicit language. So right now, I'm on my way to go pick up supplies with a couple friends, and then we're going to go on our way to Minneapolis and help do a community pickup at Nicolette Mall. The reason why I am going out today is because after sitting at home for the past three or four days after the murder of George Floyd and seeing all the protests that are happening, I felt like there was something more that I wanted to do. That's Matthew Lee. He's a Weinberg sophomore who lives in Maple Grove, Minnesota, a suburb outside of Minneapolis. It's May 30th, and he spent the past week and a half buying and driving donations to various supply drop-off centers around the city to support protesters and community members in need. Matthew also attended numerous peaceful protests, government sit-ins, and memorial gatherings in George Floyd's honor. We went to the place right outside of Cup Foods where George Floyd was murdered. had a bunch of memorial places there. There was like a mural on the wall where a lot of people brought flowers and laid it down in front of it. In the middle of the street was a chalkboard that asked people to write what they hoped for the future. Racial equality, justice, and healthcare for all were just a few of the messages. And people spoke to the crowd. I lived over north for most of my life. I'm a native here of North Minneapolis. This is my city too. Open arms to young black activists like myself. Because once you begin to dig deep, and slowly lose that peaceful sleep, you'll realize that nothing about this system is good for our black ass health. Rise above it, y'all. Say his name. George Floyd. Say his name. George Floyd. As of June 16, 2020, over 100 black individuals have been shot and killed by the police this year. Last year, there were only 27 days that there were no deaths at the hands of police. While the movement for racial justice has been building for centuries, George Floyd's death sparked mass gatherings and protests that haven't been seen in decades. From major cities to rural towns, protests have erupted in all 50 states across the country, and they've even made their way to other countries. We're taking you to the spark of the protests. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Monday night, May 25th, white Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin killed 46-year-old black man George Floyd by pressing his knee into Floyd's neck for more than eight minutes. Three other officers stood by and protected Chauvin from onlookers. The officers were responding to a call they received that claimed Floyd tried to cash in a counterfeit bill. The next day, many people woke up to the news and video of George Floyd's death. One of them was Sespe Jr. Jordan Walker. She lives in St. Anthony, a subregion of Minneapolis. As finals week is coming up and I'm trying to work on like all my homework and all my assignments, like that was already very stressful. And then with like COVID happening, that's also very stressful. But now to feel like a duty to go out and protest something that's happening within your own community, it's just like a lot to have to deal with. And it has taken away from like my ability to just focus on my schoolwork. It's just very hard to form complete thoughts at the moment and just think as I normally like do and as I know I'm like being expected to think. In 2016, a Minneapolis police officer killed a black man after pulling him over in St. Anthony, where Jordan lives. The victim's name was Philando Castile. He was 32 years old. 
The officer was charged with second-degree manslaughter, but was not found guilty. Things here have been very like reminiscent of the Flanda Castile shooting, because at that time, it was like nearing summer. It was in St. Anthony's. So there's been just like a lot of unrest, a lot of people just being like reminded of how change wasn't brought in Philando Castile's case. So I think that really just amplifies the movement here. Here's Philando Castile's mother in 2017. I am so disappointed in the state of Minnesota. My son loved this city and this city killed my son and the murderer gets away. Are you kidding me right now? Damn! What is it going to take? I'm mad as hell right now. Yes, I am. My first born one son died here in Minnesota. So after another racist police killing, people responded with even more grief and anger. Residents of Minneapolis mourned, and leaders called for action. Early Tuesday morning, May 26, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry addressed the public and called for the arrest of Derek Chauvin. How could I not speak out? when an offense took place that you or I or many other people through our city would have been behind bars if they did. Yet this particular individual, this officer, was not. Also that morning, the Minneapolis Police Department released a statement calling Floyd's death a, quote, medical incident, leaving out the fact that Chauvin pressed his knee into Floyd's neck for more than eight minutes. Later that afternoon, Mayor Fry announced that the four officers had been fired. At the same news conference, Police Chief Medaria Arredondo said the Minneapolis Police Department would conduct an internal investigation. But many people felt the termination of the officers wasn't enough. And at 5 p.m., the first protest began. The crowd marched from outside Cup Foods, where George Floyd was killed, to Minneapolis Police's third precinct station. Officers threw tear gas canisters into the crowd. That evening, a squad car was set on fire and the station was vandalized. On Wednesday, May 27th, Mayor Fry called for the arrest of the officers involved. Throughout the day, peaceful protests took place. Protest groups marched to the Hennepin County Government Center. Others gathered where George Floyd was killed and painted murals and laid flowers in the streets. At night, the protests continued. Police at the scene used tear gas and rubber bullets. The next day, Thursday, May 28th, marches demanded change while gatherings honored George Floyd's memory. Governor Tim Walz activated the Minnesota National Guard. Police used tear gas and rubber bullets against protesters again. That evening, the 3rd Precinct Police Station was burned down after Mayor Fry ordered police to exit the building. That Friday, after three nights of protests, Chauvin was taken into custody, facing third-degree murder and manslaughter charges. This was the fastest an officer has been charged in Hennepin County. Typically, these cases take nine months to a year. At this point, the other three officers hadn't been charged, and many people were upset that Chauvin was only charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. Third-degree murder is the unintentional causing of a death through dangerous action or, quote, without regard for human life. Manslaughter charges are placed when someone unintentionally kills another person while committing an illegal act, or the unintentional causing of another's death due to anger after being provoked. It was not an accident. He knew what he was doing, and he knew that this position that he had on George Floyd was going to kill him. Initially, I thought it should have been second-degree murder right away. This isn't the first time the Minneapolis Police Department has faced charges of police brutality. For example, let's look at Chauvin, the officer who killed George Floyd. In the nearly two decades that Chauvin has been an officer, he has faced at least 17 misconduct complaints. 
Black residents, who make up about 20% of Minneapolis' population, made up more than 60% of the victims in the city's police shootings from late 2009 through May 2019. Minneapolis' own current police chief once sued the department for tolerating racism, but the Minneapolis Police Department has been accused of never fully enacting federal recommendations to track complaints and punish officers, with just a handful over the years facing any form of punishment. Jordan says Minneapolis residents are tired of the abuse of power by leadership. Everybody is like already very frustrated with how our government has been handling like everything going on, corona going on, and just how people are already dying because there's just so much like corruption in our system. It's like almost the last draw where people are like, okay, our government truly does not care about us. So... Why would it be so difficult to punish Minneapolis police officers? First, police police themselves. Officers look at cases and complaints in their own departments, then decide if and how the officer should be punished. This usually plays out in the officer's favor, and it has played out over and over again. Like in 2010, when 28-year-old black man David Cornelius Smith was killed after two Minneapolis police officers held him down, one keeping a knee on his neck for four minutes. After an internal investigation, the officers faced no charges. Second, police officers are allowed to appeal firings and other disciplinary action. 46% of the time, the Minnesota board that deals with these cases reinstated officers after they were fired. Next, police unions protect police officers. The union president in Minneapolis, Bob Kroll, has 29 complaints against him. In an interview released on June 3rd, Mayor Fry stated that the police union is the quote, elephant in the room with regard to making the changes necessary to combat the institutionalized racism, end quote. Police are also protected by the legal concept of reasonable fear. If the officer is able to make the argument that an officer would have feared for their life or a fellow officer's life, the jury is not supposed to convict them. That Friday, the 29th, Minneapolis announced a temporary curfew. Despite the curfew, protests continued throughout the day and night. Police and Minneapolis State Patrol troopers shot projectiles at protesters and used tear gas. On Saturday, May 30th, the Minnesota National Guard fully mobilized. Governor Tim Walz activated over 5,000 troops, a move that hasn't happened in Minneapolis since World War II. Early that morning, at around 2 a.m., Governor Tim Walz addressed the public. This is not about George's death. This is not about inequities that were real. This is about chaos being caused. But on the ground, many people felt differently. Malcolm X once said, I'm black first. I am not interested in being American because America has never been interested in me. White face, finger trace, cold face, black space, filling with that black man's name that has been misplaced. And that man could be my father. My Accused of stealing my cigarettes and twirling a little girl's barrettes and then shot, killed dead before being put on arrest. That man could be my brother. Walking down the street with Skittles and a sweet tea, then shot dead for disturbing the peace. This has to stop. This has to end. Constantly worried about my father, my brother, my friend. We fighting for y'all. This particular memorial was at the site where George Floyd was killed. Flowers dedicated to George lined the streets, and speakers shared poems, thoughts, and memories through an open mic. Matthew Lee had been to a few peaceful protest memorials in the Minneapolis government sit-in by this point, but he said the memorial was especially powerful. The emotions there were so raw, and you could really feel 
the sense of anger and like sadness from the black community. It's something that you can't really feel when you're just watching from the sidelines at home. And just being right there where on the same street where George Floyd was murdered and really feeling the grievances from the black community was very it was very impactful in me on trying my best to understand somewhat of what the community is going through. On Sunday, May 31st, a no-bail protest for the officers involved in George Floyd's death took place in Minneapolis. The protesters wanted to start at the U.S. Bank Stadium at 3.15 p.m. Jordan, Matthew, and I were there at the protest. All right, so I'm currently here with Jordan Walker. Jordan, can you tell me a little bit about your decision to come out today? Yeah, absolutely. My parents were definitely very, like, worried about my safety, but in all actuality, like, we are fighting for our lives. We are fighting for our safety. So I decided to be here, regardless of whatever homework I have, because no matter what, the fact that people need to live, like, you cannot deny people the right to live and the right to safety. That is more important than any assignment I've ever been assigned. So I'm just going to be here today. How big is the crowd here today? It is really big. I can't even, like, count how many people are here. I have to say, like, a lot of the city. I know people are coming from out of state and out of the city, too. So what does it mean for you to see these numbers of people here? Honestly, it means that people care. Like, people are willing to give up whatever they were going to do today and come out here and risk their safety for this issue. So it means a lot to see all these people. The crowd was around 6,000 people. We were near the front. The crowd moved through Minneapolis and stopped at University Avenue just above the 35W Highway. Protesters have filled the city, have filled the bridge. They're on the street. And honestly, it's just numbers here. So the group is now moving down to the highway and protesting there. Not a lot of cars are being able to get through. Some are on the other side, not on this side, but... For the most part, we're occupying the entire freeway, just marching right now. Protesters took both sides of the highway, filling any space they could. There were so many people that when I turned around, I couldn't see the end of the group. As we marched, the freeway turned into a bridge. To our right was the city of Minneapolis. The group stopped, kneeled, and took a moment of silence. A leader of the protest began to address us. She told us that Mayor Fry was on his way to listen to the protesters. I'm going to pass the microphone, but I want to say one more time. You all are beautiful! The moment was just that. Beautiful. And then, just a few moments later, a semi-truck drove through the crowd. The only thing separating Matthew and Jordan from the truck was the highway divider. Oh my fucking god. Why are people so sick? Are you fucking serious? Jordan! just on the highway, sitting peacefully on the highway. We were waiting for Mayor Fry to come to the highway and speak to us. And out of, out of the blue, we, we hear a bunch of commotion. 
and everyone saying move 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 get to the side get to the side and i saw a glimpse on the other side of the highway of a big semi truck just bulldozing through and that's when that chaos just started and everyone just started dispersing trying to get off the highway and it's just it's and everybody was just scrambling to just get to safety um i'm i'm here with my the group that i came with and luckily we're all safe but i don't know about everybody else just don't know it's just it's just so so upsetting it's just so upsetting yelling run run i saw like people saying like i don't deserve to die there are people like just in so much shock they couldn't even move they're just like having breakdowns on like in the streets and like even after that like there was like no news coverage like no one really knew what was going on we were hearing like there were cars driving around without plates like people weren't sure if people were gonna like start shooting like really no one knew what was happening it was like just like a fear for our lives at that point Luckily, we're at um, a safe place right now, thanks to the generosity of Miliakwa's resident. And yeah, that's, that's just what's happening right now. It's just like a lot of shock right now. The driver of the truck was eventually released without charges, on the grounds that his action was unintentional. My initial thought was that somebody was going to jump out of the truck and start shooting everybody. And so I remember being told by someone that we had to run off the highway onto the other side into the grass, get off the road. Once we got off, just emotion and sadness started to fill my body because in my head, I was thinking that a big group of 5,000 or so of us were peacefully protesting and someone terrible with terrible intentions in their mind came through to disrupt that peaceful protest. It felt like my hope that things could change was just shattered at that one moment. On Tuesday, June 2nd, the Minnesota Department of Human Rights filed a civil rights charge related to Floyd's death and launched an investigation examining the quote, policies, procedures, and practices over the past 10 years to determine if the police department has engaged in systemic discriminatory practices towards people of color and ensure any such practices are stopped, a statement said. The next day, all four officers were charged in Floyd's death. The other three officers involved in the incident were charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and manslaughter. Derek Chauvin also received an additional second-degree murder charge. But protests against long-standing systemic racism haven't stopped. I have met a lot of representatives who have like advocated for change within like how our city treats black people, but also Minneapolis it has like a long history with segregation that is anti-black in itself by like seeing that there is a problem and by just continuing on and not working against it. You are part of the problem if you do nothing because you recognize that there is something that should be done and you're not working against it, so therefore you are working in favor of it. Jacob Fry, we have a yes or no question for you. Yes or no, will you commit to defunding Minneapolis Police Department? On Friday, June 6th, Mayor Fry attended a public protest. We don't want no more police. The protesters demanded an answer, 
reminding the crowd that Fry is up for re-election next year. And if he says no, guess what the fuck we gonna do next year? But on June 7th, the Minneapolis City Council voted to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department and redirect funding to community-based initiatives. However, to make significant changes to the MPD, they will likely need a public vote of approval as well. Minneapolis City Council President Lisa Bender announced the plan. Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department to end policing as we know it, and to recreate systems of public safety that actually keep us safe. On June 12, 2020, protesters gathered outside of the police union headquarters and demanded the resignation of the union president, Bob Kroll. Bob Kroll a banner held by protesters read, quote, Bob Kroll has blood on his hands, end quote. Around the words were the handprints of protesters in red paint. George Floyd's death happened around three weeks ago, and protests continued to take place in Minneapolis. And protests have continued to pop up across the country, with some people calling for the abolishment of the police. Protests have even spread to South America, Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. I would say a big thing I think we should remember from this is just like the responses people are having to not just like the death but like to the protesting one like taking notice of how the police responded to like this situation uh two taking like notice to how like the media has been like just narrating what's going on in a way that's like not actually like true of what's happening it's, like the moral is some people are just never going to be okay with any type of protest if it's truly for like situation like they don't care about after the protest of like kneeling people were like oh my god like why are you doing that there's a better way to do it after like the protest of people like sitting on the freeway, people were like, oh, there's, like, a better way of doing that. Like, no matter, like, what form of protesting, like, people are just not going to be happy. That's not because they actually believe that there's a better way of doing it. It's just because they truly just don't believe the issue that big enough or, like, that impactful enough to, like, disrupt their, like, daily lives. For now, I just want justice for the Black community, for what happened to George Floyd. And I want to make the Black community's voices heard. And I just hope that the conversation doesn't die out and we continue to have these dialogues. Like, I hope that more people are, like, coming to, realize, to the realization that, like, the system is corrupt and, like, our government truly does not care about us. It's like, they don't really care about, like, the working class people and, like, how the fact that it's so difficult to make change in this country just shows how broken our system is. And I hope people just, like, wake up to that. From The Daily Northwestern, I'm Alex Chun. Thanks for listening to another episode of Defining Safe. This episode was reported and produced by me, Alex Chun. The audio editor of The Daily is Molly Lubers. The digital managing editors are Callan Luciano and Hina Servastova. The summer editor-in-chief is Emma Edmund.